Welcome back. Welcome back. What is that? Welcome back, Carter. Uh, welcome oh, back, Cotter. Cotter, not Cotter. Carter. Get Carter. Welcome back, Get Cotter. Carter. Michael Caine, amazing movie. Welcome back, Cotter. John Travolta's first performance. There you go. Anyway, it's Thursday, August 28, 2008, and we have a very special edition of the Order 66 podcast. This will be episode 31, a Gen Con extravaganza part two. I am GM Dave. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris. And uh, yeah, this is kind of a sort of a, a mini uh, episode, although it's going to be really long. Uh, but but there's, there's, there's a very good reason for that. Absolute Mundo. As you may have heard on episode 30, or you may have not heard yet on episode 30, but you will before you actually listen to this, so you've probably heard it. Chris took our mobile podcasting equipment <laughs> to Gen Con and secretly recorded the Star Wars Saga Edition... What well, was it? A was it a saga edition or was it a Star Wars basically minis and saga? Right. It, it was minis and saga. They kind of lumped it together, and it wasn't very secret. I had the I had the damn mic just up, and they were all seeing it, and, and everyone knew you know who, who I was and what I was doing there. And right, um, they've probably all forgotten at this point, you know, uh, until they but, hear it, <laughs> then they'll remember yeah. how foolish they were in parts. Yes. Yeah. Basically, and, we've know, got what like two hours of audio. Some of it is yeah. hard to listen to because it's. You know, I, it was, I, yeah, it was a large, it was a large room. This is a single mic. I mean, it's a nice piece of equipment. Um, you know, it's a dual channel, you know, mic, but, uh, by the, at the same token, you know, I tried to do the best I could, um, you know, I had it on max gain trying to get everything I could, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of decent questions were asked, a lot of not so decent questions, <laughs> but they also revealed a lot of really cool stuff. And um, I'm going to do my best to get some picks up on the forum, which, of course, you can go to at www.d20radio.com slash forum, uh, right along with the thread that we're going to start for this cast. And uh, that particular thread is going to have images up there that uh, my lovely wife, TG, took um, during the seminar with some of the slides and some of the picks they were showing. Uh, so we'll, we'll try and have those up there as well. That's right. Because that's the way we roll here in the Order 66 podcast. And as a reminder, for those of you that listen to this cast Friday and Saturday and perhaps part of Sunday, please jump on the forum and post any questions that you might have for our special guest. And who might that be? Oh, that would be uh, one of the fine gentlemen who is part of this panel for the seminar, Mr. Sterling Hershey, uh, Minnie's God and uh, co-author of, uh, well, several things, but most recently, uh, the uh, the KOTOR, uh, Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide for Star Wars Saga Edition, yeah. and uh, which is a, a truly, truly marvelous book. If you guys haven't had a chance to go through it, uh, we're going to be going through it this coming Sunday with Sterling and asking him some good questions. But, uh, of course, if you have any questions, like Dave says, you can post them up on our forums at d20radio.com, or you can email them directly to us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, and we'll pass them on to Sterling. Or, if you're feeling very bold and you want to hear your own voice on a podcast, you can call in your question for Sterling. Loser. And uh, what number are they going to call, Dave? That would be 206-600-LOSER. 
L-U-S-A-5872. Yep. Uh, call the Lusa line. Leave your message. Any bumpers you may have, any questions for the coming cast, anything at all, just speak your mind. If you want to sound off, we'd That's love right. to hear. Or you can voicemail me on Skype at D20 yes. Radio or GM Dave. Yes, yes, so there you go. There you, there you have it. And, uh, you know, without any further ado, I suppose we can go ahead and just uh, kick off this session. Feel free. You know, you're not going to hurt our feelings if it gets too muddy for you guys just to fast forward to, you know, whatever parts I we've, can't. We've cleaned it up as best we could. Yeah. And I would like to intro this by saying that, that in the, in this large room prior, um, Keith Baker and several others were there for the Eberron uh, seminar, talking about where everyone's going to be going with 4th edition and all that, and it was pretty pretty freaking cool, and then we segue right into this, it was about four hours of glory that I got to sit through, which was a wow. lot of fun, and uh, Wow, yeah, that's, yeah, so. so you got to meet R2-D2? No. That's so no. cool. I thought no, you said, I didn't. I thought you said Keith Baker. That's Kenny Baker. Oh, right. Oh, doggone it. No. And with that, we present the seminar. Ah, uh, yes. We'll see you on the other side there, Gamer Nation. Well, what's the worst thing you can call a Star Wars fan? I, I recounted a, uh, a, an episode at, uh, at, at uh, Star Wars Celebration where um, you know, these stormtroopers that had worked hard, guys from the Pine first walked by, and, uh, and you know, some, guy, what, some guy says, oh, look at the Cylons over there. And <laughs> <laughs> you can see the looks of their faces inside the... <laughs> they turn wrong color, wrong everything. <laughs> I don't know. And then there was a Cylon that showed up. And it's like, you took the wrong bus. <laughs> <laughs> We got our uh like Chris uh, Chris Cole. Is that call the meeting to order? Uh yeah, we've got one more minute. Actually uh that's Well welcome everyone to the Star Wars seminar, uh hosted by uh me. <laughs> Some of you may know me as Chris Perkins. I am the design manager at Wizards of the Coast for role playing games and miniatures. And uh, a lot of the folks who you meet at the show are James Wyatt and uh, Rich Baker, Bruce Cordell. They're all part of the team that I'm on. However, the You've met the undistinguished panelists. The distinguished panelists are sitting over there uh, against the wall against Sterling Hershey, who has done a, a fair amount of work for us recently on Star Wars role-playing game uh, product. And miniatures. And miniatures. And uh, I'm going to let give him every opportunity to tell you what those experiences have been like. And John Jackson Miller. Uh, the genius behind some of our best uh, Star Wars, Dark Horse comics, has also been doing uh, considerable work for us lately in the role-playing games uh, product, including the uh, product that just released for the first time in the show today. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with regret.
regret our Lucasfilm's bye could not be here for the seminar. He is, uh, his flight was uh, not consistent <coughs> with the plans for this the seminar. Uh, he will be around this weekend, though, and I'll be filling him in on all the conversations and discussions that we have here today. Uh, his name is Chris Guller. Uh, as I wrote in his bio for the website, he was supposed to be here to judge you all on your articulation and realism. <laughs> <laughs> Since he handles approvals for our minis, uh, I told him I would do that on his behalf. <laughs> and the new miniatures are articulate and real. <laughs> Although maybe not, maybe not articulated. Before I jump right in uh, and talk about <laughs> stuff, <laughs> how many of you are predominantly role-playing gamers, you would say? How many of you are predominantly miniatures games players, would you say? How many of you make those stations all one of them? Like all the miniatures people to move over to that side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of uh, order of operations here, <coughs> We're going to start with the miniatures line telling you about uh, what is and what is coming to the extent to which I am able. The set that's out now, uh, those of you who actually play the miniatures game know Legacy of the Force, 60-figure set, and uh, its sort of thematic emphasis is on the Legacy Comics series. And here is a selection of the figures from that set. a considerable number of Star Wars Expanded Universe characters. The set that we're releasing in limited quantities at this show, and then officially on the 19th, is a 60-figure set, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, obviously inspired by the uh, KOTOR games and comics. The, we have a uh, tournament of league play here at the show as well. Sterling, did you have a hand in this set? Um, let's see, I've been doing edit previews on the website. Okay. Uh, and uh, there will be some uh, scenarios coming on the website. So mm -hmm. the first ones are going to turn in, and the rest are going you know, away. Yeah, they'll be posted in the next couple of weeks. They, uh, they asked me about all of the characters that were coming from the. Uh, the Nice uh, Hill Public Comics, and I kind of you know, went through and said where the uh, where the landlines were and where they weren't. Um, there's actually new information, new continuity coming through the characters in some cases, which wouldn't have been possible probably other than than getting us involved on the comic side and saying what what do you have coming up? Yes. Well, I mean we we knew some of the stuff that we had coming up, so. Uh, and as uh, as Rob was built, as Rob Watkins, our lead designer for Star Wars, uh, was putting together this set, there was a lot of back and forth with him. Where is he? There you are. Stand up, Rob. <laughs> I want to see how things were going before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> When's the best grab award for the family? I have to take down all the get Rob signs. <laughs> uh, would you like to just uh, wax philosophic about this set, which you probably worked on, what, over a year ago? 
16 month lead time. So, was last summer? Is that when it came out this year? Yeah, it was, uh, it was last July. It was, it was like, that was, that was a busy week for me because I had just read Indiana Jones and the uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because I was writing a graphic novel of that. And like that weekend, uh, I came up and, and was looking at you know, Knights of the Old Republic uh, figure designs that they had come up with. And the multitasking going on is just uh, uh, very, very complicated. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, figures, there's, you've got, I think, five or six from the comic set. Uh, from, from the comics, including I think uh, Lucian Gray is uh, ultra rare, and he's actually ultra cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is. I say there he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's tough. <laughs> so uh, John gave me the skinny on all these characters, and uh, everything we do has to go through just licensing for approval, and. Came back and Chris Gallagher said, Why is Squint oh, yeah. so listening? <laughs> 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 I expect a little more on a guy who becomes Dark Mouth. I'm like, Dark Mouth? Yeah. What are you talking about? No one told me he became Dark Mouth. When we actually were doing, designing the set, we didn't know when we were going to pull the trigger on that little fact. <laughs> um, and in fact, the way that I originally wrote it, it wasn't necessarily going to be a fact the entire time. Uh, Squint is a uh, Jedi who is supportive of the. Uh, well, just quickly, in the Nice Republic nice comic book series takes place seven years before the first video game. So, Darth Revan, Darth Malak, they're still. You know who they were before, and they are they're 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 getting their act together. They're trying to rally people uh, to their side to uh, to uh, go after the Mandalorians, who they think are the real threat in the galaxy. Trying to pick up a cool name for themselves. Trying to think of a cool name for themselves. <laughs> you, you name it. Did you come up with that name? Uh, what's that? Squeeze. Yeah, that that's that's uh, that's 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 <laughs> Squeezeness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was that was that was that was actually that was actually a fake out too far. Uh, but what we, what we what we what we did in the beginning with that was first we approached uh, Lucasfilm when we started the series. We knew we wanted Malik to be a character, a supporting character. We knew we wanted him to be somebody who befriended Zane Carrick, who is the, the fugitive Jedi star of our series, a kid of lesser talent, shall we say, somebody <laughs> who would who would see uh, in the future Malik somebody who would be. Yeah, driven and has a mission and you know, is somewhat more competent. Um, and the thing is, we also knew, though, that if we said right away, this guy's Malik, in the beginning, it would hijack our comic book. Our intention was to tell the story of Zane Carrick and his friends who, despite the fact that he's not as talented as other Jedi, succeeds with misdirection where other Jedi succeed with brute force. And uh, so the intention was to uh, to work our way towards the evolution of the character. But the, one of the problems that we find in doing not just you know, the comics, but also the spin-off properties, where there's action figures, and the backs of action figures are canon. Uh, the cards on the backs are canon, and everything else is canon, is that you can you can start to trip over yourself really quickly if there are two truths. And 
right now in my comic series, it's 3,963 years before the Battle of Gavin. Uh, nobody has fallen to the dark side among the amongst the uh, amongst the people supporting you know the uh, you're going to war against the Mandalorians on the Jedi side. But it's it, it it's also the case that if you're to read a book like this, well, this book covers. 4,000 BBY through 3951 BBY, and there are multiple truths going on at the same time, and you're always going, well, what did you reveal at what point? Um, and and you know, so we we've always tried to kind of couch things, you know, in in, in the books to admit both truths. But where we got into trouble is in the case of Squint with the role play game, in which. Uh, we were not absolutely solid at that point that, yeah, the script was 99% going to be mouth, but I was always leaving that door open in case we had a better story than him. Or in case somebody else in Lucasville needed the character to go do Malik the Opera and, <laughs> and, and needed to write a different backstory. I always try to, you know, you know one, one, of the, one of the dangers uh, in, in playing this universe is that if you get too many of the characters gathered up together, and you start defining things about them just for the sake of defining them. Uh, my editor Randy Schmadley says, if you if you define, you can find. Uh, the more things that you you know sketch out just for the sake of putting your imprint on it, uh, you know, the more the fewer avenues that a future writer, whatever he's working on, has to actually you know to, to do his own thing. So that was the case with Malik. It, 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 it is since I knew that. The, the character Squint's full transformation to Dark Malik was going to be several years down the line uh, in in this in this storyline, and since I knew that our series was going to progress not in real time, uh, we are now on issue uh, 32 is coming out next week, uh, and four months of story time takes place. So you know, I was I was keeping this guy sort of out there, and that was a place where where we. You know, I think I think uh, you know, faced a challenge is that uh, you know there's there is Squint and there is Dark Malik. Uh, I I know we did uh, also deal with that in the role playing game guy as well, where uh, you know we try to make sure if somebody's gonna if, if person A might possibly become person B, then <laughs> there's a way for them to get there. But yet you're always wanting to try to keep your options open to a degree. Uh, it's just you don't want to end up, you know, uh, screwing anybody else up. <laughs> I still want to know who's responsible for naming it. Oh, uh, that, that's not his real name, though. Uh, his, real name is, his, real name is, his real name is Alec. Uh, he is he's from the planet Keeley. Uh, he's from about his from a village called Squintargesimus. When he emigrated to the uh, when he emigrated to uh, the Republic. It's one of those Vito Corleone things. That was the name they just stamped on his inspiration. Uh, uh, no, I, I came up with that because he said he said because he said it was a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and at any rate, this is this is minor fact. Here, I'm gonna take that again. But it was something where you know it was it was. Anyway. Uh, so speaking of defining and confining, Rod, um, to what extent were the powers from this set sort of handed to you by virtue of the fact that they were in the, the comics and the games, and the extent to which you had to just come up with stuff to make the characters 
fly. It depends on how well flushed out characters were <coughs> to begin with. Uh, I asked John in a number of cases, what does this person do? What's he do? You know, and, and I don't know whether he actually knew at the time or he made it up on the fly, but at that point we started defining what tableau force powers these people would have. And a similar thing happened with the Force Unleashed or any other product where you're using it. And for example, Lucas scheduled me for about 45 minutes to go through all the Force Unleashed characters and games <laughs> and, and get the information I needed. And I sat there and for over five hours. And I'm like, wow, and you you really made us think about what are, how are we going to define these characters? How are they going to interact? We haven't gotten there yet. So through the process of trying to figure out what they do, it helps define what they're going to do because it makes people that are their creators think about, oh, well, I never really thought about it. And this person can control great underwater or tall buildings in a single bound or whatever. So in essence, a lot of it gets distilled out of talking to the creators um, like Ocean whomever and help them define your character so that we can give them stats. And in the absence of that, I just make it up. That is the thing we, where we kind of, as I say, if we sort of know what the character is going to become later on in the comics or later on in the storyline or whatever, we try to plan a few things. One of the things we plan is that Derail has a few force points. And people were all going, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Why does she have more than, she can't more than a solo, I think. And I'm saying, well, you're going to read the comic book and you're going to think we planned it, aren't you? It'll be there. Again, for example, Zane. Um, you know, Zane uh, has what has been called a special relationship with the Force. It has been described for two or three years. We haven't gotten into specifics of what it is. I know what it is. Uh, I don't know how much and you know, how we're going to spell it all out. We're spelling it out at a time for the, the role-playing game and also for, for the miniature set. Uh, we came at it by uh, Karmic Luck, uh, which uh, basically is more or less a coin toss where he'll he'll you know do do something very good or do something very bad uh, again because of his his awkwardness with the force and again in creating that character I was trying to I was trying to sort of simulate with the video game your first day your first uh, your first hour where you're wandering around walking the walls and things and you you don't really have control of your abilities and uh, can we talk about his relationship a little bit or should I not uh, no. so a little bit. <laughs> it kind of is a karmic relationship where when things are going well, some of the forces make things go not so well. When things are really down for them, they'll get a lot of good things out of the force. And so, as an example of game design evolution for that, how do you define that? And so, that's how we came up with the karmic nature of it, where it's random. Because I can't, I don't know whether the guys can be winning the match or not. You know, it should be. If you're losing, okay, Zane gets better. Or if you're kicking the guy's butt, well, Zane starts tripping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think I wanted to recall the player who's simulated character the challenge of working with his skill set, and and uh, yeah, there's a specific reason that the story will explain for for, for why the mechanics work as they do. And if anyone's wondering. Yes, if you have plus four, it makes your cortosis go a little lot better. 
All right, let's talk about the Clone Wars, which is the set that releases after uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, starting with this set, we drop from a 60-figure set to a 40-figure set. One of the uh, many advantages of which is, is that we can focus our attention on the quality of our best figures and uh, really deliver a 40-figure set that kicks ass. This comes in October. It's going to have a starter game as well as uh, booster packs. And we're going to follow this release up in 2009 with some map packs, each of which comes with an exclusive uh, rare mini uh, tied to the set as well. One of the things that people are clamoring for are maps. We know it. Uh, we're setting up to provide them. Will the starter set have a map in it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The term starter set. Yeah. Yeah. It will have a map. Uh, here are a couple of the character stat cards from the Unicorn War set. New format. Is that a new design or is that just a template? That, that is what the new cards are going to look like. Is, is that just the Clone Wars set or is that going to be on your own? Is it just a template? I'm not sure. Clone Wars have its own graphics. We actually have I don't know if I've seen the stack cards for the set after this one yet. Exactly. So yeah. The art director has some kind of decision on that one. Yeah. Why the change? I have no idea. Probably because our character thought it looked better. Is there any reason why the set is 40 instead of 60? I'm sorry? Is there any reason the set is 40 instead of 60? The reason that we shrank the set size was uh, we were uh, becoming a little bit more concerned about the, uh, the quality of the things in the face of great rising prices around the world, so we wanted to focus. We could do a better set of 40 than we could a set of 60. There are some collateral advantages that come as a result of this decision as well. The, the cost to collect becomes a little bit easier, um, things like that. After the Clone Wars uh, set releases, we've got a set called Imperial Entanglements. It comes in early 2009. It goes back to the classics, focusing on episodes five and six. So, Rob, six words to strike fear into the heart of your enemy. <coughs> Darth Vader, legacy of the Force. Yeah. He's going to kick some butt. <laughs> it's, uh, we like seeing Darth on the map when we walk into convention halls. So just want to make sure. I know you've gotten tons of them, and you're probably sick of getting another one. But this by, this character, by the way, is a sketch of one of the minis in this set. Anyone know who it is? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> 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 we've got them all. <laughs> uh, we don't have any art or images yet for the Jedi Academy set, which releases in mid-2009, uh, but the emphasis is pretty clear. There will be lots of uh, transparent plastic for lightsabers. <laughs> Chris. Yes. Will the uh, ratio of rares, very rares, and all that go apparent to a 40-figure set? 
Like, will it go down to 10, 10, 10, and 10? Something close to that? The ratio will remain the same. Yeah. It will be a slight mod between, like, commons and uncommons. Okay. It will be 8 yeah. hurry rares in each set, 8 rares, 12 uncommons, and 12 commons. And you'll have a straight everything is twice as common as the rarity level above it. Yeah. So for every very rare, you'll get 2 rares, 4 uncommons, and 8 commons. <coughs> on average. So announcement of uh, Jedi Academy goes a little bit further than we do with our um, catalogs, uh, but you guys are hardcore, I should know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is this is the last set I'll be able to talk about in 2009, but there is another one beyond that as well. In the Star Wars role-playing game, just to flashback and sort of cover the line very quickly. Uh, <laughs> 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 we took a bit of a chance when we relaunched the role-playing game line by making it square, but actually this was a, this was a decision prompted by a conversation that happened outside of the building, specifically Random House, uh, with whom we distribute a, a vast number of our books, said they were concerned that a new edition of the game placed on the shelf next to the previous edition of the game, it might become confusing as to which one is current and which one isn't. They wanted some quick visual way to distinguish one from the other. With that feedback, we came up with the square. <laughs> so I, I am probably more to blame or to be praised for the square than anybody else in this week. It has nothing to do with the side of the square faces. <laughs> I have many reasons for choosing the square. <laughs> uh, not the least of which was, as a DM who actually uses books behind my screen, a narrower book is actually advantageous because it's not pushing your screen further away from me. It also lays open in here. Yeah. Uh, this slide is also worthwhile because this book is up for some many awards this year. I wish you the best of luck. And because your name's on it? And because my name is on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was actually the, was the relaunch of the edition. It was sort of a, a tease a little bit for fourth edition. It was the last of the books that I had hands-on writing experience with. Although a bunch of the ones I will show you coming up, I've had peripheral involvement in or been involved more in a managerial type role. Uh, Threats of the Galaxy. Uh, sorry, Starships of the Galaxy is the next one, uh, which is a big Starship codex. I think it came together beautifully, having uh, most, if not all, the Starships actually illustrated. Huge feature, as well as uh, some deck plans for a couple of the ships. The Threats of the Galaxy is um, one of those books that you tend to underestimate the value of, but if you're a GM, it's critical. If you're a GM who has absolutely no time to come up with your own stats for things, it's essential. I worked with uh, Rodney Thompson, and this book is awesome because every day I can look at him and say, are Jedi younglings really threats Rodney's email is rodney.thompson at wizards.com. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
The Galaxy Tiles product is a quick and dirty way to throw together some floor plans for uh, bases, installations, or what have you for your uh, role-playing game. The Game Master screen, a way for the GM to cheat. <laughs> uh, the, the screen is remarkable uh, not, uh, for no other reason than it is made of a material more durable than anything else known to man. Uh, it is strong, sturdy, like game board stock. If you threw it across the room, you'd probably take somebody's head off. Um, it's, it's got some major motions in terms of its durability and quality. This is the book that releases at the show. Uh, and this month, if you can't get it here. At this point in time, I would like to uh, let uh, John and Sterling talk about their experiences working on the book, since both of them had more than a fair hand in it. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, two others, Rodney Thompson and uh, Abel Pena, uh, were also authors on the book. And uh, I don't know, our we start, first start off with uh, an outline that Wizards uh, brought me some on to us. And um, we sort of divvied up the, the uh, chapters from there with some overlap. And a lot of discussion on certain aspects of it. Um, it was really great having uh, John on the project. For me, this was the first time I've had an author be directly involved in a game project. So that was a great resource, and it made it really easy to ask questions and say, hey, what about you know, this? You know, what is, what is, uh, How do you want it? Yeah, okay. Exactly. Sometimes it was brand new, a brand new definition of something. Sometimes it was, uh, no, we think we're going to go a different direction with this. Uh, so things like uh, Zane's, um, going back to Zane's force ability, um, you know, we had to come up with a, a talent that or, or feet or something that's account for that. And so we uh, added something about, and then uh, actually I think through development it changed a little bit again, but uh, we've managed to go up with something that works. I gotta give uh, credit to <coughs> Dark Horse and their enthusiasm in working with us and making a better product. John L. Strander, John Jackson Miller, Randy Stratton, they have all Contributed, and I think it really shows through in the final product. You'll, you'll get a more genuine and true experience. You'll learn more about characters, and it'll feel right playing in your game. And I think they've gone well above and beyond the duty of contributing and helping us make these games. I just want to thank them for, for that. You know, Lucasfilm approached me um, at, uh, at the celebration actually to get involved with this. And, and the funny thing is, I was in the middle of trying to find where Rodney Thompson was to approach him to actually get involved with <laughs> 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 you know, I, 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 as soon as I heard a saga, saga edition, I thought, well, this, this would be great. And I, you know, I go back to, you know, D&D with the blue dragon on the cover uh, <laughs> with the blue box, um, you know, as a gamer. And, you know, it, it, in the beginning, I was just going to advise on it. Read the read the manuscript and say what was what was what was in what was not and then then you know I started volunteering to do other things and uh, and and my wife the intrepid Meredith just loves generating characters 
And and you know I I I, was, I, I, I like doing it. But we're talking about twentieth level characters. It's a it's a, it's, it's, it's you, you need to love it. <laughs> and so and so she 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 helped me very much. But um, you know it, it, when, when you're coming in as as somebody who's doing ongoing fiction in the era, you, know, you always look at you know other sources coming out with a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of trepidation simultaneously because enthusiasm is adding attention to the series trepidation because okay, you know, what's going to be defined here? Oh, wait, you mean you know, all the land speeders on this planet can only turn right? Uh, you, you don't know, when, you know what's going to come out. Oh, that planet I was going to use has no air. Oh. Uh, <laughs> little things like that. This hasn't been discovered yet or whatever. And again, it, 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 is, it is something you have to be concerned about. But I, I will say that, you know, on behalf of, of Sterling and everybody else, everybody is very careful uh, in all of these products, uh, you know, not to close doors. But what we're doing here is we're trying to take a... Uh, MOU that, that, that people are familiar with in a video game or in, in, in comics or in novels or whatever uh, and adapt it for use uh, for people to create their own adventures in it. And, uh, and so, you know, I, we get in some of the individual chapters and things we did later, but maybe you want to run through your, your other... Uh, yeah, no worries, can do. Uh, by the way, was any, is there anybody in the room who was trying to run basically a Knights of the Republic campaign before this book came out? Right. But we didn't undo anything. <laughs> 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 we didn't know we liked For us, actually, surprisingly, in the role playing game, this was our first foray into a part of the Star Wars universe that didn't have any real connection to the films. And we were looking forward to it for that reason as well. Yeah, in fact, when, we, when I was first uh, talking to Chris about Kotor, it was actually before even Saga Edition was even out. Yeah. Um, this is also the first time when we've really been able to coordinate <coughs> the release of the role-playing game and the minis simultaneously so that you have minis coming out to support the role-playing game experience. And I just want to call attention to that because sometimes we do know what we're doing. In this case, we actually got our collective crap together. Rodney and I actually talked quite a bit uh, on these projects, he helped me out with minis. Who was this guy? Whatever. I helped him help to find some of the game systems so they felt right for the year, etc. So it was apparently as soon as I as soon as I stepped back and stopped actually working on anything, things started to happen more smoothly. <laughs> 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 it couldn't be me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, in September, we released the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Uh, you can sort of see a trend here that uh, many of the books that we're working on this year thematically seem to have kind of campaign themes to them. Uh, this particular one, of course, inspired by the video game taking place in the periods between episodes three and four. Interesting factoid, I don't remember the name of the guy who plays the apprentice. Sam Whitworth. He is a big fan. He loves our right. games. Yeah. Are we going to see other uh, aspects of the Jedi Purge? In Force Unleashed, like the Inquisitors, or any other really? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sterling, would you like to talk a little bit more about this? Uh, yeah. Um, actually, for the first product I was working on for the RPG line, uh, as it turned out, um, we worked on it uh, pretty hard, thinking it was coming out last November. And for an RPG product, that's really quick, since we were within the same year. 
Uh, we may have known by the end of it that it had been delayed a little bit, um, but uh, um, so we were working pretty hard on it. We have, you know, it, it covers sports unleashed. It covers the video game and, and um, things we learned there. But it also covers the dark times. And uh, it's pretty heavy. If you wanted to think of it as a dark time source book, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, it covers the empire, uh, particularly. Um, this is before there's a rebellion. This is, you know, just after um, episode three, basically, uh, and on from there. Uh, so there are a lot of things like the Inquisitors are brand new and just coming in. Um, there are, uh, and there's some specific talents and things for them. Um, there are, um, of course, the Force Unleashed related uh, Force powers and, um, and other material. I probably shouldn't go too far into it. But, um, yeah. save something for the QA. Okay. So, <laughs> we actually helped this product quite a bit. It was able to get another round or two of play testing in and, and stress test things out and modification mm -hmm. the results. So, like, yeah. we'll end up with a stronger product as a you know, result of this delay of the computer. Yeah, that's, that's true because when we were first doing the, the text on it, you know, we were ourselves still getting familiar with Saga Edition. Um, and, you know, I couldn't exactly go out and play Saga Edition with anybody just yet because it wasn't released and actually they were still working on it. So when, when I first started working on Force Unleashed, I didn't even have the actual final Saga Edition product at first. I got copied later. So yeah, I think it's just... Later this fall, we delve a little bit more into scoundrels, <coughs> pirates, outlaws, bounty hunters, and their ilk. Uh, the emphasis of this book, uh, new species, talents, feats, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in addition, some stuff that the GM can use right away, including several mini-adventures and a complete adventure, uh, as well as a location around which you base campaign, which is called Point Nadir, which is this uh, shadow fort uh, nestled in the bowels of a comet. When you say equipment upgrades, is that like starship upgrades? There are starship upgrades as well as armor and weapon upgrades. Actually, you'll see some hints to that. I noticed in the coaching book. And uh, some more uh, rules and guidance for running campaigns around which the characters are smugglers, bounty hunters, pirates, and whatnot. Uh, at the top of 2009, the Clone Wars Campaign Guide, I think it's kind of self-explanatory, it's <laughs> for uh, games run during the Clone Wars period, uh, it covers a wide variety of resource material, some of the details. Well, you would have to stats, right? <laughs> 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 
that's a good question. I don't know. We just have a stack block and say, and your character gets killed, we have you another one. Infinite. <laughs> 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 that happens ten times. We take one of your ability score points away, and we have it back to you. Then moving ahead to deal with the uh, all of the cool stuff happening in the Legacy Comics, we have the Legacy Direct Campaign Guide. And uh, once more, Sterling, I turn to you to help us. Uh, yeah, the Legacy Era Campaign Guide, it focuses um, primarily on the Legacy Comic Era, not the Legacy of the Force, although some of that does get covered. Because um, those of you who don't know, the Legacy of the Force novel series and Legacy comic book series are all considered part of the Legacy Era, but they're really quite far apart from the timeline. So, the, so this book is really, is really focused on the, on the comic, um, and would be interesting because we may have um, looks like we have the opportunity to have quite a lot of brand new material in here since there isn't um, the, the comic line has not been going on for a long time I mean, with KOTOR we had the video games, we had the comic books uh, a fair amount of material out there we could, we could look to here it was a much uh, smaller base so we're going to be able to do some uh, new things there I had a question. When you mentioned the KOTOR comics, you mentioned something about issues like revealing storyline and stuff like that. Would that be true of this source book, too? Because I know Legacy certainly has things that they hint at. Right. Yes. And um, in, in that case, um, um, the main author there, John Ostrander, uh, was not an author on this, but we were sending him questions, and Rodney's reporting Dark Horse on, that, on those issues. Um, so... For, from my perspective, you know, it was okay. We have these questions. I'll send, you know, I'll write it up a certain way. Here are the questions about it. Rodney will see if they approve that or not. If they don't, then he'll come up with something different or he'll adjust it to whatever they uh, say fit with the, uh, the problem in the timeline. So, yeah, it's always a concern. Um, I mean, less so with some like, um, like vehicles and stuff like that. But certainly, when it comes to planets or characters or species or. Because now, you know, um, things like the Mon Calamari are in serious trouble in that era. <laughs> and uh, to know that, it's just a point from where we're writing. Uh, I, I will say that all the era campaign guides, all of them have a, a chapter on species, and every one of these uh, campaign guide books introduces a bunch of new species to play. By new, I mean species you're probably familiar with, but haven't been updated to Soviet edition yet. Uh, we've also had now and forever, uh, for the length of the, uh, uh, the Star Wars Saga edition, uh, full coverage on our website, uh, the role-playing game, and of the miniatures. The, one of the most interesting things uh, I didn't actually put up here, uh, but it falls into the category of additional game content, is the adventure path that has been going up for uh, Star Wars. Uh, Rodney, I think, picked it off, but he has uh, gotten you guys and some other fellows on board with uh, coming up with a full series of adventures that take Adventures that take characters all the way up to the planet, or close to. Sort of like Star Wars Insider? Yeah, yeah. 
And the first, what? Reinstalling? Six, first six, six, six. Number six just went up. Okay. With mine. Detail submission. Not writing number nine. Uh, well, we've, there was a question up front about do we take submissions for this kind of thing. Uh, Rodney has, I don't know how far ahead he is scheduled planning the adventure arc, but it's, the arc is complete. We know where it's going and where it's going to end. Uh, if you have an idea for another adventure series that maybe you'd like to contribute to, or an adventure, a standalone adventure you might want to contribute to, I would suggest that you uh, get in touch with uh, him. Like no more information about that, come talk to me at the end. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend go taking a look at it. It's called Dawn of Defiance. It's basically you start near the end of episode three and your characters are involved with getting episode four. And that's a yeah. really cool thing to do. On the horizon, uh, there comes a point in our schedule where I'm not allowed to talk about specific product titles anymore. Um, but I can sort of allude to things that are coming down the pipeline. And here are our three. And each of these sort of topics will be of the focus of a single product. Uh, that concludes the overview of what's happening with miniatures and what's happening with RPGs. As customary in these sorts of uh, seminars, we like to leave a period at the end. I'll mediate the questions by uh, uh, picking hands out of the audience and uh, John and Sterling and uh, Rob should feel free to jump on any of those like they were. <laughs> yes, sir. Seeing some of the stuff that's going on in fourth edition of D and D, do you think that that had the success of how that works out will have any influence on the evolution of this uh, I can talk about that. To what extent will fourth edition success cause Star Wars to evolve? As 4th edition uh, introduces new concepts that we think we can pull over to the game, uh, we will. We won't um, look for this as an excuse to relaunch the game again. We'd rather just integrate the things in 4E that seem to work well in Star Wars over. Uh, one thing I was really looking forward to in terms of the galaxy was like, extra information on the bomb. On, on the unit bomb? You know, bomb? Is there any extra stuff on any of the other points on this one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in the, um, in the legacy era, well, there will be some additional Yijang Bond information. Uh, we don't have any plans at this time to do a new Jedi Order sort of reboot product. At the back. Um, with the 40 uh, sets for 40 miniature sets for the Star Wars Legacy, will there be the same number of pieces in a booster? Yes! Yes! <laughs> if they decide to modify the booster, it will be independent of the set size. Yes, sir. And this is what we were talking about. It is available for sale at the show here. It is. Uh, 
is. In fact, there is one right there. Done. <laughs> 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 it's real. We <laughs> <laughs> sell a certain number per day so that we don't run out the first day. And I think today's supply has sold out. Oh, yeah. It's sold out yeah, in the first hour. <laughs> yeah, they also have the Kotar minis down there in limited supply. Uh, in the burgundy, and then I'll take the fellow off here. Do you have any intention of doing any more expansions with the uh, Starship miniatures? Uh, we don't have anything on the schedule at this time. Um, that doesn't preclude the fact that we might in the future. Um, this is uh, more of a measure-specific question, but are there any plans on doing uh, other EU topics besides the Empire and those kinds of things, maybe like Crimson Empire, Dark Empire, or, you know, I guess really digging into the Dark Horse varieties? Well, one of the things that we did with, with Dark Horse, <laughs> probably we went back and the Tales of the Jedi books are actually <laughs> part of this era. Uh, and and we acknowledge that to the best we could. I mean, it was a, it was a West End book on all right. those characters way, way, way back. Uh, the Tales of the Jedi books. As for the other ones, I guess it would depend on whether it's given here. We'll cover anything. I mean, I think we've got Ark and Jeff in here. I think we've got uh, Exar nice. we've, we've got the big name. We're not going to get everybody. But, um, what about the novel lines themselves? Like, you mentioned that Legacy is going to be about the comic, or about like the Legacy of the Force. And, you know, there's certainly a plethora of novels out there. Uh, like I said, a little bit of the Legacy of the Force stuff will yeah. be covered in, in the Legacy uh, book. Because it precedes it, there's a certain amount of background you need to know um, in terms of characters and that sort of thing. It won't be in that book. And uh, I actually don't know what that. There's only one thing that right now is off limits. There was an old comic book that had a big green rabbit Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see that one. First <laughs> issue, <laughs> number seven, Marvel Comics. Yeah. <laughs> Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Those are the only two I've controlled. Yeah, stay away from Marvel. The Marvel books are pretty good. I don't know how to pronounce it. There are there are aspects of Marvel stories that seem to sink into continuity as things go. It's no longer entirely non-continuity. Some of it has been brought in. Uh, well, for instance, uh, like the wheel, uh, the wheel shows up in the Legacy comic series, and that was originally, I think, a Marvel construction. Uh, Valance the Bounty Hunter is one of the greatest Star Wars comics characters around, uh, from from, uh, from Archie Goodwin and Carmine Infantino, way back. He's worked in several games over the years. It's a good stuff. This is more of a miniatures question. Um, with you're talking about um, making the sets forty figures, that's um, because you guys can do a better job with that. Are you still going to make huge figures, forty figure sets too? If there is compelling material to release at the huge size, we'll revisit it. Okay. But we basically maintain a list of well, here's really good figures we haven't done yet, and. Until that list gets big enough to say, okay, let's do it. I know this. They're not very compelling, but as things keep getting added to the universe, that list grows. And as far as um, organized play, um, the championship was in the packs. 
Yes. Um, is that going to be at PAX all the time from now on, or is that just... That I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that one's not me. Yeah. It's probably better just to direct that question to somebody in the more next time. Reach Magic Fisher, man. Read them? Yes, sir. Yes, I'm running Dawn of Defiance for my friends, and uh, we have an issue with uh, some of the maps, as in some are scaled so that they're easily printed to scale to run with the miniatures or with the tokens or whatever you want to use. Then there's some cases where they're not. The resolution you mean the resolution is for? There are different scales if you try to transfer them and, and use them. So I think. I would suggest that you put it to make them all the same scale, and the resolution is different. Also, if um, I mean, there's going to be two meters per square. I'm sorry, they're not all two meters per square. Some are like the first first adventure, easily enlarged and very crisp, clear in color. Some are black and white and they don't scale so well. Some of the maps are really huge and kind of don't work so well for. Not so much the printing issues, just they're not easy to use. Sometimes Are you, you trying to print a, a bigger size so you can actually play the mini straight on the map? I just think if you just think so. just do it the resolution, but you know when you drag it into Photoshop or whatever, that it they print a little bit better. I'll pass but, that on to Rodney. Yeah, I'll take that back. I'll pass that on to Rodney for you. And also the um, some of the adventures have vehicles that we don't have miniatures for, and they may be printed with tokens, but it would be nice if those tokens were actually printable so that we can run, you know, some of these adventures on the maps. That's an excellent point. We'll take that back, too. Try to address that for you. Thank you. In the back there. What is the, <laughs> seminar, what is the seminar that we can talk to the people who are in charge of the organized play for Star Wars miniatures? If you guys, if you guys aren't aren't able to, or is it, I understand it's not you know all of your things and so forth, but as far as I know, we have no way to contact people of any way of any to get any significance. And there's some upset people with much more than just moving the championship, but a number of things that's going on. Uh, what what do we have any time? Do you guys have any way that we can uh, go about making some changes? Uh, there are there are two avenues. Um, we do not have a Star Wars miniatures seminar specifically. Uh, the there are people at the show who can uh, at least address your concerns or, or hear them out uh, now, and they're typically found, I guess, upstairs in the Sagamore Ballroom of the exhibit hall. It's on the second floor. Uh, these uh, the there are OPT members here at the show who cross the street, so don't just do D and D and do other things, and, or who sit beside the people who handle the Star Wars stuff. And there's at least one VP uh, here at the show who is in charge of organized play. So I would go up to the Sagamore Ballroom, uh, find somebody, sort of make your way through uh, one or two people probably to find the, the person who can give your grievance. And actually talk to them face to face. What are their names? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I consult with those people making those decisions, yeah. and 
they're not trying to hurt you. They are trying to grow the number of people playing the game. And they put up a pretty significant cash prize last year, and they got maybe 120 participants or so. And they're looking at the numbers of people who are showing up and playing in the stores on a weekly or monthly basis. And they believe for the success of this and the organized place to continue, they need to expand the number of people playing. So they're not trying to slight competitive players, they're trying to add additional players to the game. So people who, you know, if I play Chris, after about five or six games, we can generally figure out who's the better player and we'll know who will win most of the time in that. And that's just not something that some of our consumers like. And they would rather have, okay, well maybe Chris and I can play together and win or lose together. So this is kind of an experimental thing they're trying to do, but ultimately they are trying to grow the number of people who are playing this so that we can continue to make sure. Is that why the message was delayed for so long? Because we had a letter in April last year announcing the championship. The impression of the community was that the decision was to not tell anyone to allow that to happen, what you just said. The reason the championship is attached this year is until late in the process, Wizards wasn't 100% certain since we're owned by Hasbro that we were attending Gen Con. Mm -hmm. And they needed to figure out what to do with the championship before that decision was reached. So, okay, you have too late, that's not our fault, there's a bunch of lawyers involved there. So that's why it's a PAX this year. The other reason is, I believe they, they assert, I don't know whether I believe it or not, more people attend PAX than attend here. And they're hoping to introduce them to Star Wars. And draw them in and grow the hobby that they help me to thrive. Have they ever thought of, uh, since you guys do have a business relationship with Hasbro, putting a stat card in the three power action lines? Because a lot of people do like that sort of thing. I mean, it would kind of trickle down here. Sorry, put the stack card in there. And with the three and three quarter action figures. Because a lot of kids do play with the figures. Um, some people actually do open those up and play with them. But that can have the stack cards to sit there and say, you know, they're, they're, here's what the first three characters can do. For those, might actually attract them backwards to role play. We've had some conversations uh, about that. And the, the issues that we have to resolve are, are stuff that we're constantly talking about. Like, does introducing this kind of foreign object or this product cause confusion? Um, what, is, is there a clear sort of marketing direction that this person is supposed to go when they get this card? Is there how you message that and say, this card is for this product and this product is for this age group and this age group, you know? Right. So uh, we just, we're talking about that kind of stuff, but we haven't been able to pull it off yet. Right. I know that uh, a couple of years ago they did put out a promo figure in the fan club, Star Wars fan club pack. So anyone who joined the Star Wars fan club that year got, I think it was um, a long where I figured with the staff for a long time. Does TCG have Yeah, I, w I would dream about having a couple action figures that actually had the little miniature version inside yeah, of that, that, would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, that same note, why doesn't the back of the Star Wars minis have stats for the RPG, just like D&D? Or is that a possibility to see in the future? No! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Lucas wants the sketch there. Really? Yep. That's all the sketch is going to be. Well, do you think they'll ever do RPG cards or easy records? Um, probably not. I mean, the closest, the closest thing we've got is when we do the previews online, it's not the whole set, obviously, but when we write a preview, we do RPG stats uh, for that preview. With, uh, the, the reason is is that we don't think we can sell enough of a, of a pure card SKU to make it viable since so our paper is expensive. If we're, if we're online, sure, but I don't know what, if we have the same sort of value or prestige. Uh, there's certain quality limits to what Lucasfilm will tolerate, frankly, what we'll tolerate. Yes, sir, the back again. Okay, uh, follow up to my earlier question. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 we, we've surmised a lot of what, what Rob was able to share with us and, and kind of uh, understood that probably is what we would hear. My question is, includes last year the pre and some of the previous years, but also in particular already this year, why have we not seen any of those people around competitive play ever in the Star Wars competitive area during Gen Con? I'm sorry, why don't you see what? Okay, the people we're supposed to go upstairs and find the, the, the involved, the, that are involved in organized competitive play, mm -hmm. I don't think that I know of we've ever seen any of those people in any way involved at any of the Gen Con tournaments. The way you're communicating with them is they look at the numbers of people who are submitting the paperwork for the DCI Star Wars events. And so they're not actually showing up, but they look at all the reports that come in and say 12 people played in Omaha, you know, 100 people played at the Open, some people played in New York City. Those are the things they look at. How many people are playing? And so... The number one way to speak to them is to make sure your participation is being reported by whatever store you're playing at or whatever other venue. Because that's how they're counting our participation, the participation in their programs. And they found they were not happy with the number of people who were playing competitively, so they took some steps to try some new things to see you know, what the results are. I have no idea what the results are going to be, but they're going to look at those, they're going to look at the competitive and compare, see which ones are should get more support. It's all a matter of allocation of funds, basically. And now part, that part, part of that is, you know, the people that we send to the show, it sort of depends what we're doing in the given year. We don't have a lot of Star Wars people at the show. Any time in the last five years would have been okay. Just have one swing downstairs just to say, hey, guys, how's it going? Glad to hear you're playing Star Wars on I mean, I will, I will personally share that feedback with uh, the members of uh, Chris Galvin's team on the DCI. Um, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I mean, Ian Richards was one of the point men for a long time, and you should have seen him in league plays, running tournaments, etc. So OP has certainly been there in the past. I don't know how much... We did, you're right. We did see Ian a couple of years ago. And, and he was the architect of a lot of the OP programs for a while. It's no longer under his tableau. Well, to be fair to Dean, Dean, Minis, and Star Wars Minis were joined at one time and Ian was there. When they were separated, <coughs> Ian was the candy. I think I agree with you, but I, I just want to be fair about that point, too. The separation has a lot to do with what's happening. 
Okay. Uh, if if you want to talk about talk to me personally about it further afterward, I'm happy, sure. I'm happy to spend some time. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, the the map packs that are coming out are these uh, all geared to be used in minis, or are these going to be sort of like the ones where half of them were RP lined and you couldn't use with minis properly? They're all designed to be used with minis. That's cool. Uh, quick question. I've heard varying things. Are there any plans to produce any more uh, Galaxy tile packs beyond the initial ones? Uh, the question is more plans to produce Galaxy tile packs. Uh, we don't have anything on the schedule right now because it's a very difficult product for us to sell and market, uh, except to the, the most diehard folks. So we're working on that problem. We haven't, we haven't said we're not going to do anymore. We just... Uh, they're on hiatus. The second set's designed. This is we'll the first one. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year, you were talking about another large figure like the at <clears throat> And that, we haven't seen that. So, is that off the books because of sales, or is that just we haven't decided what to do, or is that still on its way? That's a really good question. Um, nothing is off the table. It's the ad did pretty well. Um, it's hard to come up with something of equal universal appeal that says recognizable to the mass market. What's that? Sandcaller. I've pitched it many times. Sandcaller miniature carrying case. On a, on a smaller scale, I had wanted to see pod racers and like actually some of the side characters, and there were rules for pod racing. Other details of episode one, you know, that seemed to have been dropped. Pod racers is a tough one because it's you know the saga. The saga edition is all about cooperative team play. And the pod racer really isn't. Um, but pod racer figures, conceivable. Um, we've got a we keep a master li- keep a master list of vehicles, <laughs> just like we do with starships or with huge size figures. Just a master list of vehicles that we'd like to get in plastic one day. Just find finding the set in the time. I would think that the tank since it's a miniature battle, the, what is the Trade Federation tank maybe not that popular or iconic. No. The A18? Yeah. The it's, it's been Sort of a opinion question to all of you guys who worked on Saga edition for the RPG. Like, what did you like the most, or happy to succeed the fans like the most? Which we were part of the new setting, the new RPG system. Wow, um, I think it's great. I mean, well done. There were things. Thanks. There were things that, if you were to ask me when I first turned it over, 
I'd answer one way, and now having seen fourth edition play out and things like that, I might answer another way. There are things that we did with Star Wars that actually inform fourth edition and have sort of taken on, uh, have, have, uh, like treating uh, force powers the way we do. I think uh, it's very much inform, very much inform what fourth edition did, and I'm really happy with the way force powers feel in the game. Feel very Star Warsy. I like the sort of recharge ability of them, so I'm, I'm particularly happy with that. I'm particularly happy with the fact that we were able to take the, the core classes that we were left with and make them each as interesting as the Jedi character. Um, where in the previous edition, I always felt that the Jedi character was always a step or two above everyone else. Here, we've got a whole suite of different classes that can all carry their own weight. I think that's the other big triumph in my mind in the new edition. And talking about Saga Edition, you know, there's a lot you can custom, you know, there's a lot of ways to customize your character with talents and trees, and you're going to be able to see more of that and be able to do more of that with the new campaign guides as they, as they roll out. Um, talking about Code War specific to the, for the Code War book, but I really, you know, we've all been talking about this. Like, we really love this book, and not just because we worked on it, we really like the way it came out. And part of that is because I can tell you, you know, if you're a KOTOR fan, you'll find some background, new background information you're probably going to love. If you're a, you know, an RPG fan, you're going to find new talents and new uh, force powers and things like that that you're probably going to like a lot. If you're uh, you know, a fan of the video game, you're going to find connections that um, tie you know, video games with the RPG pretty well. And you'll find things that you know, things don't work exactly the same. If, if it was a power based on something in a video game, it's not going to work exactly the same as Saga. But it should feel right. And it should, you should get the, you know, have the same feeling that yeah, it's translated well. Um, but, and if you're a fan of the comics, you're going to get new information, that uh, background information that you may or may or may not have seen yet or have, have it defined as clearly as maybe what you've read in the comics. But one of the best things, especially if you're a fan of the era, is that there are timelines in this book, yeah. and you're going to love those because they are—they make it very clear what's happening in this year, what's happening with this organization in this other year. It is a very busy 50 years. It is, yeah. Uh, and the timelines are wonderful. And you know, one of the things that Rodney and, and Abel and, and Sir and I did in going through this was to try to capture what are the what are the what are the common elements all these different times. There's a whole lot of stuff is going on. There's there's wars and and and, and, uh, and crises and you know I, I think that we did kind of capture that. One of the things that I feel is one of the major tensions of this era is that there is this weird relationship between the Republic and the Jedi. Oh, yeah. The Republic is glad that the Jedi are around until these horrible things start happening with you know, the, the Jedi civil wars, other stuff like that. So, in, in a large, uh, in many measures, you know, the Jedi are the superheroes and the Sith are the supervillains of, of this particular universe. And and so, you know, I, I wrote the Republic chapter and the Mandalorian chapters, and one of the things we were able to get into is. That the Republic is trying to really assert itself whenever it can, uh, and you know reconstruct its navy in between all of these things. And, and uh, yeah, as, as far as what kind of the system is concerned, you know, I've forgotten so many gaming systems. It's it's it's, it's sad. So I always look at when it comes to a system, uh, is it versatile enough to capture nuance that I can take similar you know characters with similar attributes uh, and yet uh, display how 
they are just slightly different. And, and in the case of the Mandalorians, one of the things that we do, I think, that is that is that is definitely I don't, I don't, clarifying and enhancing the continuity that we've already established in the comics and the video games is the very large difference between the Mandalorians of the Tales of the Jedi comics, who are much more you know, the, the, the regular nomadic, uh, you know, the Mandalorians you're familiar with, and the ones of the video games, and that we're getting into in the comics now, the Neo-Crusaders, who are much more regimented and wear the same uniforms, and, and we get into a little bit of why that is, and, and, and that was one of the fun things with this, is, is that, you know, we could, we could take, you know, the same sort of character uh, you know, with similar tributes, and and you know send them off a different direction a little bit and still have that to make sense. Yes, sir. In the way, I just had a couple of comments real fast. First, I do actually like the square RPG books. It's kind of fun. A lot better than a circle or a triangle. The just kept falling over on the shelf. <laughs> My second comment is for uh, Rob. I do actually really like where you're sending the miniature game right now, and I actually love General Wedge until he's not. Thank you. For <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making him a rare instead of very rare. <laughs> Material will just feature it in the set. So, you know, Chris only went up to Jedi Academy, but if you notice, there was an RPG book coming which concentrates on the Clone Wars. So, there will be another Clone Wars centric set coming soon after the Jedi Academy. And we'll revisit it when we, you know, as we progress with Lucas, as they start putting more episodes in the can, we get to write more stuff. So, probably every year you'll probably see another Clone Wars set, and then we'll have other sets devoted to other. Heroes for the rest of the year. With the 40 miniature sets that are coming out, um, will there be like less reprints now that they're taking, there will be 20 less figures in the set? Will there be less reprinted figures? Like, just 
like with AE, there was 13 reprints in the 16 figure set. There will be reprints. You know, not everyone can get yeah. Rebel Storm, etc. So I feel compelled to put a Stormtrooper out there at least every other year. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we're getting 20 lists, you know. Will you certainly won't see like 13, but <laughs> I also I want to help the people out who are playing the mass battles, right? And they want to have more than one pose of a Tuscarier <laughs> or a Scout Trooper or whatnot. So I will be doing reprints, but not to that extent. It's been discussed. We've discussed it. We've got a we've we've did a sort of a Hoff battle pack recently, and yeah. we're kind of taking a wait and see attitude with that and see how it does in the various channels. Um, we see another one coming for the upcoming holiday season. What about a uh, standalone uh, miniature set like uh, Infinities? I'm not sure what. You mean. Uh, Infinity is the uh, is the is the Dark Horse uh, franchise for instead of what if it's their yeah uh, it's a what if as a standalone not uh, I I doubt it uh, if there ever comes a time we run out of material <laughs> <laughs> no but we still have that big green rabbit Jedi just end it look how long it took the first one. Any assurances about maybe no new factions? Because I mean, it gets really hard to collect when there's a lot of factions. We had this discussion when Legacy debuted. I said I don't want to fragment New Republic into another one, etc. And if I had my brothers, I probably would have had Old Republic or Republic. <laughs> It's a little late for that. So I'll do my best for no new factions. And Lucas is on board with that. They understand it. it. I don't know. If somebody comes in from another galaxy and starts debating, well, that might get its own faction. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind sub-factions, like the Black Sun still being fringed and you know having abilities. That's fine, I think. No, I, I have no plans, and I, have a, I can see pretty far <laughs> I, I, uh, for any new factions. <laughs> yes. I had a question. I saw the Kotar release tournament that's coming up later this month. There's a map in the kit, but I didn't know if that's a new map or not. I didn't really see if that was mentioned. I'm not sure what I don't said. <laughs> I don't know. What's the product? Uh, the Kotar release tournament kit it's supposed to have a map in it. It's an organized play thing, not a. Yes. I believe it's either a new map or a variation on an existing map. I don't remember specifically what's going in there. Because I know they reprinted the Death Star in some of the kids, and I didn't know if that was what. The way it worded it didn't sound like it was either that or maybe something new. It also depends on what budget they had for the, the kit. So it costs money to make new maps. So sometimes they just reprint because that's all they can afford. It's better not. Right. Yeah, go ahead. I actually had a cover art question. I really like the uh, RPG the cover for Kotor, sort of a comic book style. I saw uh, the seems like the legacy is going to get a similar trend. Yeah, is that a style we're going to see going forward, or the the uh, illustrated collage? Yeah, style. Yeah, 
it's becoming quite emblematic of most of the books in the series. Uh, Skull and Bellamy, this is actually a sketch of uh, a cover, but it sort of follows the same collage format down. Yeah. Uh, that Clone Wars cover is a prototype, okay. so it's not the finished cover. It <coughs> might very well look like that would be illustrated. Cool. Hello, rules, rules question as far as um, altering certain things that, from my opinion, either seem omitted because of, um, I guess, simplifying the rules, like altitudes for ground effect vehicles are not listed or at least they're, they seem very broad. Yeah. Um, ranges for uh, point blank and shooting weapons go off the table. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. Are those things going to be addressed based, based on feedback from players or you know? They would be addressed if we, if we had sufficient feedback to feel like they needed to be. Um, we generally assume that people will take the rules that we give them and tweak them for their own games regardless. Uh, we generally only issue a rata if it's something that's broken and actually inhibits the fun of the table. And, and also when it comes to things like uh, altitudes and speeders, you know, like land speeder versus air speeder, um, I think the reason you're saying it being very broad is because um, what's been used to try to define that a bit more in their series. But, when you start defining that, then you start getting into continuity, potential continuity issues, and so... Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's big. It makes his life easier, but that's if we big. all say that the land speeder only goes, you know, three meters off the ground, well, I mean, there's an expectation that the land speeder goes only so far, and you know about what that is when you see in the movies, but it's better if we don't try and hopefully define it. And that's, and that's why also you don't see links of starships, I think. We've got these swoop bikes in the Nice Republic that fly through the city canyons of Terrace, and... Yeah, technically they're flying over their hovercraft, but you know when they go through those city canyons, there's like go oh, about a mile of air. Yeah, yeah. So uh, are they just coasting through that space? <laughs> or are they not? And you know, but these things all you, you have to be careful how deep you get into this. I, I didn't know when I started this that when you drop a lightsaber, it turns off. This is true. You can, but, <laughs> but I that was an old joke scene I had because they just throw it out where it stays on. Yeah, so you can jam it. Well, this was this was going to be an accident. So this is probably further out the place we talk about, but. The attention right now is on the Clone Wars animated series. My understanding is Lucas has got plans for a live action series that's set in the dark times, and, and at least the idea is make it live action, more Can creative, you more on one, Battlestar Galactica, the movie feel, whatever. You can't keep talking about that. We've heard what you've heard. Okay. Yeah. We heard what you heard, and, and I would bet if they were going to announce something like that, it wouldn't be. <laughs> no, 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 but I just, I'd like to see, I'm, if that yeah. does come to play, I assume you would want to support it in the same kind of way with many tricks and books, and whatever product Lucas is willing to let you do. Right, so we'll do that for yeah. everything. When, when they have, I mean, the big problem is you need our preference. So, I think right now we still do things story a lot of new art pieces were in this book. I was, I was really thrilled. That that was, that was your name on it. Rob, I have a question. John Jacksonville. Can you throw us a bone? 
Tell something no one else knows about your writings and your, something that might not be appearing in your comic books, but you have buzzing around the back of your mind when you're making decisions. <laughs> That's PG rated. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've written, I've written Star Wars and I see for three years. Um, I wrote Iron Man for a year. Um, that, 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 uh, that blog reporter that uh, Robert Downey runs around the bed with, I created her. Uh, <laughs> I, I always like to draw on all of... But in all in all in all of the books that I've done, I always try to draw on you know the resources that I've had, people who know stuff in the real world, and then adapt it into whatever was in the fake world. Uh, I actually have a guest here, uh, uh, Major Mike Singleton, a uh, friend from my gaming group uh, back in high school. He's been in Iraq. Uh, I made him an arm, I made him a general uh, promotion in, in, in Iron Man. Uh, for this, uh, you know, he and I spitballed some of the notions for how the Republic Army would be organized uh, because I wanted to come up with something where, you know, the the I wanted a different feel for the Republic Navy and the Republic Army. The Republic Navy is very regimented. It's very organized. It's something where, yeah, you can do the whole ratio of horn lower under Harrington thing and, and go advance, you know, through the through the ranks, and and it's a different dynamic. The Republic Army is much more of, of you know, a, 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 a ragtag. It's a bunch of different individual units which come together every so often, uh, and 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 so I, I I like to I like to. You know, go out and talk to people who actually know this stuff. And how would you actually organize a fire squad if you were, a, you know, a, you know, out on out on a desert planet or something like that? Uh, you know, what 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 kind of people would you want to have? Because I certainly have never been involved in anything other than oh, like video game. It's, uh, it's exactly right. I mean, so so uh, I I I like to I like to kind of kind of draw on on on. on you know what I do or used to do or whatever. Um, I wrote a comic book called Crimson Dynamo because I had the last Soviet studies degree ever offered in this country. Uh, <laughs> the Soviet Union fell on my dissertation and uh, and, and uh, left me with nothing but a lousy comic book. But 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 yeah, I, I mean we, we we all try to you know adapt sort of the, the things that we're interested in. And bring them into the, the comics and the books and the things that we're doing. Um, you know, I, I I enjoyed doing this book because it felt like I was writing um, a history uh, of of the time. Uh, and talking about the Republic, I talked about you know one of the one of the periods that we we don't get into uh, uh, in other fiction, which is the period between Tales of the Jedi and the Knights of the Republic comics. Uh, which we finally gave a name in here. Uh, it, it's straight restoration. Yeah, and 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 I that was probably the most fun thing for me about this was I got to sit there and go through uh, some of my history books uh, about you know how other uh, what what happened in the Sith War. You know the the, you know, the uh, society collapsed. Planets were cut off from each other. Hyperspace routes were, were were unsafe to travel. What would it take to get everybody back together? And 
there's actually a lot of information in here about, you know, in that 20 years, 20, 30 years, uh, it's actually a fun gameplay here. I wish we'd gotten into a little bit more. But it is, it is, it is, it is a time to make a lot of money. Money is a big uh, theme. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, commerce gone wild is 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 a is a is a hallmark of about 24 years out of the 50 that are in this era. Um, it's easily possible to go through this game and play scoundrels and just do that. It's also easily possible to go through this guide and uh, just suffer for every every kind of character. Oh, yeah. We got Jedi, we got Sith. The Jedi can date, hallelujah. This is lovely. We, we, In the back there? This is just for you. Uh, we have to go to another Star Wars tournament, so any chance you can stop by over in the Minis area at some point this evening, I'm sure that most of my games end in 20 minutes, so I'd be happy to talk to you then at any Sure. Time. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Let's go. Good luck. Force to with you. I got a, I guess a general design question uh, for the Saga Edition designers. I mean, a lot of the stuff we've talked about here, people have been asking very specific questions. So, you know, stuff like, well, how far does the speeder go above the ground? All those other things. It's very clear, like, when you're designing, there's a point where you sacrifice these hard rules to allow for something that's more cinematic. And again, for me, that's what the strength of this edition is. I feel like the first time I really have that. As a designer, is there is there a tipping point for you when you're writing, when you're creating these hard rules, and when you're creating a, not just the a source book or a, you know a, an adventure, but an actual mechanic? The raw rules that you say, okay, this is this is too much, or I mean, I know it's a really broad question, but you know, what, what's kind of the balance you look at in terms of keeping it that cinematic level and uh, getting so suspicious, so suspicious, you know? And cinematicness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, uh, we were very aware of trying to make the edition more cinematic. I have, I guess, in my own mind, an intuitive sense of what is what is sort of the, the minimum amount of information I need to provide that you actually play it and your players are not going to argue with you. Um, so it has to have at least that. And I work with some designers and with certain freelancers who are much more sort of laissez-faire about rules. They would much rather capture an experience or a, a sensation or a cinematic flair and leave all the rules up to the GM, and that makes my, I was going to say, my hair stand on end. As a general rule, you can either play a game or you can do your taxes. And doing one should not yes. feel like the other. Yes. There were there were instances, for instance, where um, uh, freelancers wanted to do some things with uh, starship rules that were very realistic, um, to the point where it felt like you were filling out a return in order to actually build a starship for yourself. Mm -hmm. the, the, the fun started to get leached away by the accuracy of it. I said, "This is crazy." Because it, it, it's Star Wars. Yeah. And Star Wars. You, you don't want to over overdo that anyway. Again, going back to the difference between Iron Man and 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 and, and writing Star Wars. I wrote Iron Man in a Tom Clancy sort of style, where 
you know, I was worried about how much torque uh, a, a you know a C five galaxy's uh, landing gear can take, and was you know, I, I I did a sequence where I actually calculated uh, 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 time dilation right. for a for a vessel. The dose of that really space. is great because and it gives you all the authenticity that you need. And I was able to put all the behind the scenes footnotes on uh, on farawaypress.com, my website, where I write about it, all this all this stuff because you know every vehicle that we showed was real and everything that we that we did we wanted to make sure we're better but you know I'm not going to sweat necessarily the fact that well every time we show stars above terrorists or above a planet or whatever well you really can't see them if you're in orbit because the, the planet's too bright um, or it's the sound in space thing and everything else and I think I feel that way about gaming too uh, it is if, if you're it depends on what you're trying to simulate. If you're trying to simulate the feeling of landing an airplane like a flight simulator, well, okay, fine. You don't want to just... <laughs> the, other, the other rule of thumb I have is that it depends on in whose hands the rules generally sit. If it's something that the players are going to be interacting with, precision is key. You don't want to give uh, a player an opportunity to abuse a rule or to be or to use a rule improperly. So player rules tend to be very crystal clear in my mind, and I really want them to be nailed down. If it's a rule that's largely in the hands of the GM, then I can sort of come at that with an assumption that it can be more cinematic because I know the GM is going to kind of mold the rule anyway to sort of suit their campaigns. It could be a little bit airier, um, and they'll play it the way that's right for them. I actually relate to like NPC design compared to like how Saga does it with the non-heroics to compared to like how 4E does it where they just start with a concept and just give it abilities. I think that's probably a situation where if I was going back in time and knew that 4E was going to go that way, I might have bent Star Wars a little bit more in that direction myself. Uh, because it's another situation where the GM is making a one-time character who's probably only going to live three rounds. Um, and not putting too many constraints upon the GM, but letting you just come up with something that captures the feel for what the character should do, maybe has one or two interesting things about it, and then move on. Probably would have been sufficient. Is, it, is that something we might see in the future, if not with uh, just regular NPCs, but with like droids or creatures, which already kind of in that direction? I don't know. Um, and the reason I say that is because... Um, I personally have kind of uh, taken a step back out of actually hands-on design work. So that is the decision now of these gentlemen, Rodney Thompson, who is sort of the lead designer for the Star Wars RPG now. And I couldn't say with any assurance what they would do in a certain situation. I know Rodney's talked a little bit about not heroics wanting to experiment with them a little bit, but I don't think it's really gone anywhere just yet. Okay. Um, but going back to your, your question about um, simplicity and or cinem uh, cinematics versus uh, realism, generally if the rule is getting really detailed and complicated, that's usually the wrong way to, to go. And that's often where it starts. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write, up, write up a new calendar feed. And sometimes it'll just get so detailed because I'm trying to... I'm trying account to just do, for everything. Yeah, I'm trying to account for everything that I've seen... Um, in the, in the comics of the game, like in Legacy, um, in the Legacy comics, Kate um, Skywalker has this, this dark healing kind of power. And the first go around of trying to create that 
that force power, super detailed, bounced it off of Robbie and Gary Starley, and they said, well, this is probably going too far, why don't we try this, and try and pattern it after a little bit more towards um, uh, final transfer. So there was a whole discussion about how to do that. Uh, and so it became much simpler than where it started, and probably much better for it. Um, another area where that's a really interesting question is, um, you'll see an article coming on the, on the website. On um, when, when you get the, when you get the code word book, you'll see that a couple of our big Sith lords um, that have sort of these over-the-top powers in, in, in nice old two. Uh, you'll see the way they're replicated in here is probably not quite what you're expecting uh, because you've got one Sith Lord that can not be killed and we've got another Sith Lord that consumes entire planets. And it's a little bit outside the scope of the game. And so, and so, uh, so, so there's an article talking about, uh, about how the approach we took in the game here and how that really became more of a story element, became more of a story background than trying to make it hard. Exaggerated in the later reports. <laughs> <laughs> well, you laugh, you know, but I think I saw a Gleamax thread once. What's the break DC of a planet? I think I would say there's probably a little bit more comic stuff in here than there might otherwise have been just because I was here Oh, ready to write. We had the we had the designs and things, no, but but also. But and it's also the most active thing. In it's the most yeah, it's, it's the most regular it. thing coming out where there's where there's new continuity coming in. Uh, you know that that's that's that, that's there, there's no way around that. Uh, we're, we're it's a, it's another visual medium, and, and so there's that material there. But I mean, I don't I don't think there's a, is there a stock illustration in here? It's all new. I mean, I, I was, I was thrilled. <laughs> well, and, I, and I know Rodney was saying he worked really hard in, in taking advantage of all the pieces of art to try and illustrate it. There was a new speeder, or you know, he tried to get that somewhere in the book. It may not be right with the speeders, but you might see a little caption later. Specifically, your question. Yeah, it's it's not as if you know when somebody's adapting Lando Calrissian, you have to imagine what Buffy Rob looks like for the first time on those old novels. <laughs> Uh, because yeah, we've got designs against the result of the I have a question. How do you deal with different parts? Because you've got some people with very different styles. Wow. Uh, we got, I, I would like at some point with it. Mark Hiregriff, the Griff, uh, who, who we did have a miniature of, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's, 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 uh, he's, he's the he's the uh, he's the he's the scoundrel sidekick, or actually uh, the boss of, of, our, of our main character in in, in the nice little public comic series. I, 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 he is a snaggletooth. He started as or, or as he began. Uh, I originally had the idea that he would be uh, 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 a Ortolan, which is one of the little blue elephant guys from Maxley, <laughs> <from laughs> uh, uh, until my artist said, you know, if we actually do this, you're not going to be able to see his mouth. And he has no eyebrows, so we can't like do emotions and stuff. So I said, "Okay, fine." <laughs> Snaggletooth, because you know Stephen Caesar stole my little tall blue Snaggletooth from the Kenner series. That was worth lots and lots of money because Kenner didn't know what it Snaggletooth looked like at the time. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's actually kind of a funny bit because every single artist draws Griff completely differently. And it's wonderful. I like it because Griff is sometimes a Scotty dog and Griff is sometimes <laughs> Simeon. Uh, 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 Dustin Weaver had just drawn uh, King Kong, the adaptation of that movie. And so his, his, his Griff is very Simeon. And, and, you know, the character has like a half a second in the movie. Uh, uh, the this, this Snaggletooth guy. And again, it goes in the cantina scene, and, 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 it, and it was already part of this, you know, classic uh, uh, moment of what does he really look like back in the beginning? Because again, as I was saying, Kenner had to release two different versions of him because they, they did a three inch version where he was as tall as everybody else and in the blue costume, and then somebody said, okay, you do realize he's like that tall. Uh, and we had to go back and, and do another one, but yeah, I, 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 it, I was actually talking about this on on on, on Force.net the other day that that one of the reasons in, in comics um, that superheroes became popular as serialized fiction characters is because uh, for people back in the forties and fifties and sixties and seventies uh, uh, when comics were starting that weren't tuning in regularly, it was a way for them to actually tell that this character was that character again. Especially when you had bad printing in the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and it was hard to tell characters apart half the time. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that you'll do is you'll, you'll put characters in the same clothing just in case their faces look completely different from issue to issue. And... and, and uh, yeah, it it it, uh, it is it is it is. I like having the different the different artists. They all have different strengths. They all do different things. And, and you know, Dustin Weaver again. Yeah, his 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 spaceships are like you know looking at a looking at an engineering schematic. Uh, you know, I, I, I wow, he's, <coughs> he's the one that did the. The, the He's the one that did the cutaways. in the, yeah, the, the the cutaways uh, the, the the for the Mumo Bellawa, uh which is in the book uh, as the, the orphan maker. Uh, the the Pelagia actually, du- actually the actual the Pelagia duplex assault gunship. Yes, the but the stats we did for the actual Mumo the, the stats the, yeah, that's all, that's wonderful. They, that's the that's the that's the spaceship uh, piloted by Dom and Del Mumo, the two Delmathorian bounty hunters. Uh, they don't think they're dumb. They each think they're the smart one. They're both wrong. Uh, but, but what we decided to do with that ship was to create the most over uh, the overkill, yeah. the, 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 the the most over 
you know, decked out ship with because of weapons fetishes. Uh, they they named their guns. Uh, as, as well, I must have a lot of names on the ship. Oh, yes. Well, issue 31, which just came, came out, uh, has, has them running upstairs. I get Bitsy! No, no, I get Bitsy! Which is the big, long uh, 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 aft uh, uh, cannon that's on there. Uh, but uh, but uh, but yes, that, that's in there. And of course, as we, as we say, the, uh, the, the ship has... Uh, so many guns that many of the uh, many times the gunner himself is in the firing arc of one of the other gunners on the ship. <laughs> uh, it also, if you if you want some real entertainment, has two cockpits that each have control over the direction of the ship. As we said, in, 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 at least in, in, the, in the comics handbook, uh, the the. Uh, uh, and the the passerbys have noticed uh, occasions when, uh, because Dom and Dell could not agree on where they were wanting to go, the starship was spinning in place. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but but you know, different artists have different uh, different uh, different fortes. I'm sure your players will love it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I will take a couple more questions, and then we'll call it a wrap. We'll start over here. Uh, yes. Uh, just one thing, because I had run uh, the original D20 Star Wars game a few years ago. I ran for a few years. But is there any hope of getting, and if it exists, and I just missed it somehow, I apologize, but a digital copy of the character sheet for GMs to plunk the stats together and print off nice, easy copies of NPCs rapidly because you know, I would have large battle sequences and having to like hand write all the sheets and keep track of everyone. And my my friend Rob, who has a uh, he does D and D, he just you know prints off like a whole stack of NPCs. He's got them all set, ready to go. It's like okay, there's that one, there's that one. But for Star Wars, I've never seen an easy to find digital version, like a character creator. Yeah. Like they, like they did for the... Uh, I'd like to see what they did. Like they did for uh, the 3.5 or 3.0 D&D. Zero Forge hasn't come out or something? No, probably not because the Star Wars license would prohibit them from doing so. Yeah. Um, when, when it gets into the area of digital tools slash digital games, um, that's kind of out of our contract purview. Um, uh, so we haven't gone created something ourselves. However, it's an ongoing discussion that we have with Lucasfilm and actually they're overall pretty keen. It's just getting our collective, you know, up together <laughs> and, uh, and, and looking at the contract and just seeing if we can actually make it work. But we haven't done it yet for that reason. On that same line of questioning, are you guys planning to integrate like a easy easy table over to the RP Star Wars table? A Star Wars mm-hmm. table. Uh, the question is the the digital game table for D and D, which we're uh, we've been working on. Would we import that over to Star Wars? Uh, the answer is no, with a caveat, and that is that we've we've shown Lucasfilm what we're working on in their intrigue device. Okay. So, when's that coming out for D and D? Uh, the D&D game table is scheduled to release, uh, let's see, we've got the character builder coming up first, then the character visualizer, then uh, probably early next year. Oh, what will tell? 
like the first trimester of next year. Oh, do you guys play games? Uh, it's actually in pretty good shape now. You can actually see it demo uh, up in the second more, but we've got to do a lot of sort of refinement of this and that. Yeah, I think they're going to test one more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if that's it, uh, sorry, one more. Okay. Was the force unleashed coming out? Anybody talk about the differences in force powers that we're going to see? And I'm, I'm basing this based on the preview for the video game where they show a guy taking a star destroyer down using yeah. the force, which seems a bit over the top compared to what we've seen in the Can we keep yeah. using the force? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think there are certain realistic limits <laughs> placed on the, yeah. the and, and we don't know what we've just seen and what we're seeing that either. I right. But actually, we have deliberately not to tell people more details about that because we didn't want to spoil it. Uh, we'll probably have some sort of preview article on the website talking about the new force unleashing mechanic. If I could say something, what yeah. question? Based on some real quick clothing. Uh, one of the reasons that obviously we did this and one of the reasons that got me involved is we're trying to expand the number of people that are playing your game. And and you know there are there are ads in all the Dark Horse comics that you guys have put in uh, for the for the miniatures for for the uh, for the uh, for the campaign guide we talk about it in various places. Uh, we're trying to put a bunch of new people in a bus come over and sit at your table. And vice versa, you know, wouldn't be bad to check out Night's Guild Republic. <laughs> which next week starts the storyline of Vindication, in which uh, St. Carrick uh, and his master Lucian are face-to-face -face for the first time after uh, so many years. And, uh, and again, I, I, I really appreciate the, uh, the, you know, the work these guys have done on this thing. It, 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 it really... Uh, it's, it's, it's made everybody on the, on the comic book crowd. It's been a lot of fun to work on. This is easily probably the most fun product that I've worked on so far. Not to put the other down. Let's call it there. Um, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic miniatures don't go on sale for a while, but I saw them in borders. <laughs> and we're back after two almost hours of beautiful, Ooh. beautiful Star Wars action. And you were there for the whole thing, man. I am I was, rather I was. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. I got to give a few a few really points of interest. There were a lot of guys in there that were, well, I'm sure you guys heard, just kind of whining about some of the minis play that's been going on. And um, in particular, you know, the pushing back of the of the championship, stuff like that. And a lot of people, you know, it's clear that like three or four guys came there just to whine. It got to a point that everyone in the convention center and in the little room was just like literally rolling our eyes and going, okay, dude. Come on, come on. And they were peppering poor Chris Perkins, who is the nicest guy I have ever met. He's just too nice. And finally, Rob, the, the minis manager, he stands up and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll just take these questions. And he finally, you know, and by the way, Rob, you were the best dressed guy at the entire convention, I, I must say. You were pimping. And uh, he finally said, you know, look, look, uh, you know, and he just kind of answered these guys' questions and was very frank about it. He's like, you know, listen, you, if you, you know, he and Chris both were like, you know, listen, you know, if you have any additional concerns, I'll stick around. Talk to me after the seminar. We'll talk one-on-one. -on -one. It was very, very 
very professional. I was I was very very pleased. But it was really cool to you know listen to John Jackson Miller and Sterling Hershey as well talk about you know creating Kotor in the universe and and we're going to be continuing that. Uh, gosh, in just a few days, Dave. Just a few days, Labor Day weekend. You know when other. Yeah. What other time is there that's better to continue this discussion and get into the glory that is KOTOR? I know. I'm, I'm really excited, and I'm really excited to be continuing to talk with Sterling Hershey uh, this Sunday. And uh, once again, if you guys have any questions for that discussion, go ahead and email them to us, GM Chris, GM Dave at d20radio.com. Post them on the forums at d20radio.com or call them in 206-600-5872. That's right. Gamer Nation on the prowl. Yeah, baby. So, that's it for another beautiful edition of the Order 66 podcast, even though you only heard our dusky dulcids about nine minutes. Yeah, but you know what? I think that's enough for one Uh, podcast. I think it's plenty, too. So, you know, with that, your turn. Oh, you, you, go, you go ahead, you say it, you say it. Oh, okay, so we'll switch around, and I'll say, with that, hey, uh, why not? I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. Keep them dice a-rolling! <laughs> D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited. Did that make you jump out of your chair? Are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related websites, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. That reminds me, should I should I mention the rules for the D20 drinking game yet, or should I clear it with DM Tim first? I'd clear it with DM Tim first, but uh, I, I think uh, our, our listeners should keep an eye on the forums to await the up-and-coming D20 radio drinking game. Fun for the entire family that is over the age of 21 when living in the continental United States, and uh, over the age of, you know, six if living anywhere else in the world. Right. <laughs>